Welcome to Rhema for Today. I, I've come to find out that there are people that, that are a little lost. They're not looking for somebody else who's lost as well. Or someone else that doesn't know really where they're going. You know, may, maybe they're not lost, like meaning going to hell, but they're lost. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're unsure of their relationship with Jesus Christ. They're unsure of, of, of their right standing in Jesus. They're looking for someone that's going to show them some answers. Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. This week we went into the archive vault and chose Craig Hagan's teaching, Don't Be Stupid. This will be a great week of teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's radio offer. Right now, here's Craig Hagan with today's message. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And I'm actually going to minister on the prodigal son. And um, it's going to be unlike you've ever heard the prodigal son story before, because I've never heard it like I'm going to minister on it. I want to start with Luke 15, verse 1, because I want to get to the point of why Jesus was bringing up um, actually these three parables. Luke 15, 1, I'll read from the New King James Version. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to, to them, saying, and he goes through a parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, and then he spoke the parable of, of the lost son. But it's interesting how Jesus was so awe-inspiring that even sinners came to hear him. And sinners came to um, sit with him and eat with him and be with him, and I don't think that sinners came to be with him because he was just like them. See, that's one thing that we have to understand. Sometimes people think, well, yeah, I'll go hang around, you know, the unpopular, or maybe, maybe they're the popular crowd. I'm not sure what they are. But anyway, some people who don't believe like us because, you know, I'm going to change them. But see, normally it's not, see, Jesus wasn't hanging around them. They were hanging around Jesus. There's a difference. See, there's a difference in going and hanging around other people, but, you know, if you really have what it takes, people want to hang around you. And um, I'm just going to be honest. The reason why sinners don't really want to hang around some people is because they don't have it together. And I'm not saying we ever have it together, because we really all do, because we have Jesus Christ, and if we have Jesus, we have it together. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I, I've come to find out that there are people that, that are a little lost they're not looking for somebody else who's lost as well. Or someone else that doesn't know really where they're going. You know, may, maybe they're not lost, like meaning going to hell, but they're lost. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're unsure of their relationship with Jesus Christ. They're unsure of, of, of their right standing in Jesus. They're looking for someone that's going to show them some answers. Because if they want someone that didn't, was not going to show any answers, they'll just look to themselves. Because they don't have any answers. And the reason they came to Jesus was because Jesus had the answers. Was, well, is it because he was a good speaker? I don't really think it was because he was a good speaker. I think, I think there was really one reason that brought people to Jesus, and that was because of his love. You know, I, I think that Jesus was a person that, that had love and compassion and mercy on people regardless of where they have come from, you know, what their background was. And, you know, it didn't really matter because as long as they were willing 
to hang out with Jesus, Jesus was willing to let him hang out. And that's one thing that you learn in youth ministry is that sometimes, you know, there's some kids, you're kind of wondering about them. But, you know, in fact, I've actually wondered sometimes when I was doing youth ministry um, was, was why do some of these kids even come to church? I mean, why do they come to my youth group? Because I know they're not living like that I'm preaching because I know how they're living. But they keep showing up. And they keep showing up. I, sometimes I wonder why they show up. Not because, you know, our youth group wasn't doing well. Not because the word wasn't good. I just knew that they, it didn't seem to be having any effect on them. But see, we don't realize sometimes, you know, Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, and sometimes we get to see the increase. You know, when I, I had a, a, a person years later um, talk to me and, and, you know, about some time whenever he was in, in the youth ministry, you know, how, I mean, I didn't even think this guy listened to one sermon I ever, I ever preached because he sure didn't act like it. But he thanked me years later for, for the words that we put into him. And although at the time... He didn't heed those words, but there came a time that he, he was able to remember the words that were spoken, and it changed his life. Now, you know, a lot of times, too, you know, words are spoken, but they don't change your life at that time. But see, too many people are too busy worrying about what happens instantaneously. And they get frustrated because things don't change instantaneously. And because they get frustrated, they lose whatever they were going to get. Because, see, this guy kept holding on. To, to the word. Because the word will never return void, but you have to hold on to the word. You have to know the word. But I'm going to get to the parable of um, the prodigal son, and um, I'm going to start reading with verse number 11. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and read the whole um, story, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dissect, because there's many, many sermons and many different um, things in here that, that um, you know, and that's this thing about that I really get frustrated when it comes to ministers and, and Bible stories is because we, we read a story, we clap, that was a good story, praise the Lord, and we go on and think, okay, the, the son got you know, back to the Lord and, and the other son got scolded because he deserved it. Not because he really didn't deserve it, but, but you know, and it all, it's all good. But what, what did that really do for you? What, did that really help you? Did it not help you? Did, you? did you feel better after hearing that story? And a lot of times... The answer is really no, because you didn't understand it. Because, you know, a lot of the story has to do with the audience Jesus was speaking to. They understood the story better than you're going to understand the story. Number one, maybe because you don't have a father that has a big inheritance to give you. So that might start out with a, a big theme. Anyway, the, the parable of the lost son, verse 11, Luke chapter 15, it says, Then he said, Jesus talking, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered it all together and journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. All right. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled the stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring um, on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf um, here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what, things, um, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because um, he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf, but he was angry and would not go. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who had devoured your livelihood with harlots or prostitutes, um, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So um, obviously we understand in a portion of the story how, how you know, this young man spent all his, his fortune that he had and found himself in the middle of a pig's den and decided, you know what, my servants have it better than me or my dad's servants have it better than I have it. So if, if I'm going to have to work for somebody, I don't want to work for this guy and, you know, barely be able to feed myself. I'd rather go back home. And that's why they always say there's no place like home. And obviously the father took him in. But let's start back at the beginning. There was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger said to his, to, to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Notice it said he divided them he divided everything he had to both his sons. So at that moment, really, he, he, he gave, you know, later on, whenever he was saying, well, son, everything I have is yours, because the, the portion that was there was, belonged to his other son. He decided at that point that, I, you know, that I'm no longer going to have anything. Here's the stuff to, you know, to you. But now let's understand what really happened is in, in the, the Jewish tradition, the oldest son got two-thirds of the portion of the father's land and, and, and possessions. The um, younger son got one-third, or, you know, or basically the oldest son got, got two parts and the other ones got one. If there happened to be three, it would obviously be divided. It wouldn't be completely two-third and one-third, but in this case it was two sons. It was two-third and one-third. So the, the younger son, when he asked for the, the one-third, basically he was really saying you know, to his father, I wish you were dead so I could have my portion. Because it normally, you know, the, the father would um, give, you know, the, well, he wouldn't actually give the portion. The portion would be handed to them after the father had passed away. So by taking his portion early, you know, that was something that nobody would do because basically they were disowning the rest of their family. And think about this. I mean, you know, the father is still using the one-third of the portion that he's going to give to the son. I mean, he's still using those, you know, it wasn't just money. 
I mean, we're talking about cattle. We're talking about all kinds of stuff that, that he had. You know, he gave it to his son. Now, maybe he didn't actually give him the, the cattle. Maybe he said, well, you know, you know these pigs are, are, are worth um, $20,000, $30,000. So if they're worth thirty, I'll give you ten grand. you know, and you can, you can take that. And... Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. You can find more great materials by Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth W. Hagan, and the rest of the Hagan family by visiting our online bookstore. I want to tell you about this month's radio offer. The first product in this offer is the three CD series from Kenneth W. Hagan, Getting Through the Tough Times. Also in this package is the slimline book from Lynette Hagan entitled God's Peace. Purchase these two items for the price of $27 and get Kenneth E. Hagan's CD entitled Faith for Finances for Free. Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. You can also order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G, rhema.org. Or if you prefer to write to Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Right now, let's join Kenneth and Lynette Hagen. In April, April 14th through the 16th, Rama College Weekend. Yes. So if you're interested in knowing, you know, what Rama uh, Bible College is all about, come and check it out here on the USA campus. Yeah, just go to rbtc.org and yes. all the information is right there, right That's there. That's right. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's toll free. 1-888-FAITH-99. Tomorrow, Craig Hagen will continue his message, Don't Be Stupid. That's tomorrow on Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagen.